Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, Inspiring People and Places. We are back with a special episode. Today is a special guest interview with MCFA's newest key leader, Joey Fay, president of MCFA Diversified Services as of 1 February. Today, we're going to talk with Joey. He's been on the podcast before. If I had done my due diligence before I jumped on the call, I would tell you which episode it is. We'll put it in the show notes so that you can get to know Joey Fay. But Joey and I have known each other probably going on five, maybe almost 10 years, or at least knew of each other. We had met about 10 years ago. And over the last year, we've had some conversations about working together. And on February 1st, Joey Faye's company, Quatrefoil, became MCFA Diversified Services. And Joey and his team are now MCFA team members. So without further ado, Joey Faye, welcome to MCFA and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. So am I the first person to ever be on your podcast and then become a member of the MCFA family? Oh, good question. I'm going to say yes, because I can't think of anybody else. Well, so yeah, we'll go with it. All right, good, good. I'm proud to be that because I'll say I was honored, you know, knowing some of your guests that you've had on your podcast, I was honored when you asked me if I would be on it. And now I'm even more honored that, you know, you took the time to battle through all the due diligence and all the things that you and I went through to kind of make this acquisition merger happen. You know, and I can remember back to when I think you got serious about this and you were like, listen, you know, I think there's a match here and I think we could do great things together. What do you think? And I look back at that moment and I thought, wow, you know, I hadn't really thought of that. I still thought of Quatrefoil as as a very young company, you know, only started the back half of 2018. So really, you know, maybe five years old and just kind of thinking to myself, you know, being a small independent company, there's a lot of freedom, but what you guys have at MCFA is, is a special sauce. And I think what you said back then was, listen, let's, let's just court, let's court each other and let's date a little bit and let's talk and meet and hang out and see if this energy grows into something more. And I'm really grateful that you did that and that you had the foresight to kind of think that together we could be better. And so, yeah, we're excited. On the first, last week we came in and we started this transition period, which, you know, any change is going to take some time and change management is a real thing. And anybody who's been through an MBA program knows that, you know, you got to get that change right. And it's a little bit of a crawl, walk, run again. But hey, any next step in your career is like, okay, we're making this change and how are we going to do that? And so I'm really happy and proud that this is the next step in my career. I think we're going to take this thing to the moon. I think there's nothing that can stop us now that we're together. I I love this idea of Army Navy, <laughs> you know, and I think one of the reasons that this happened and why it works is that our cultures are the same. And as as much as we all joke about the services kind of having this rivalry, it's a sibling rivalry. And sibling means that we're family. And at the end of the day, we believe in the same things. And we believe in this concept of leadership 
before skill. And, you know, that's the biggest thing that I think people appreciated about Quattrofoil, which is that, you know, just like every Marine's a rifleman, every Quattrofoil person is a leader. And I think you guys have that same philosophy here. And that's how this marriage, I think, is going to really be special. Agree. A lot of places to go. And and Joey and I were just joking. We're actually in the same building right now, but we don't have a podcast studio yet where we can we can be like Joe Rogan and sitting on a table and, and do this. But that's coming. So we don't have an agenda other than the podcast is all about education and innovation and inspiration. And certainly we want to hit on the topic of leadership. I think we're, we're going to hit on the synergy of the cultures. Before we go, we're also going to be selfish and promote why this marriage works. So I want Joey to talk about his background for those who haven't heard it before, what led him to start Quattrofoil, what Quattrofoil has done. From my perspective, I mean, Joey hit on the idea that you know we're both service academy graduates. We're both reservists, lieutenant colonels in the reserves, him in the Marine Corps, me in the Army. We both did combat deployments, and we both think leadership is critical to improving your life and the world around us. So we both believe that our platform is meant to do that, to, to help improve our clients' lives, our clients' organizations, and, and actually the most important thing is our employees' lives. So I think we'll talk about all the synergy to that. From my perspective, if, like Joey said, change management is a real thing and it's a leadership thing. And I think one of the keys whether you read it or whether you just realize it, one of the keys to good change management is communication. And what we're hoping to do today is we're actually testing ourselves in communication and our ability to communicate with each other by doing this on the fly. But I also hope that our clients, our partners, and our employees get to listen to this and learn a little bit about the synergy because Quattrofoil brings something to MCFA that parts of it are here and parts of it will be enhanced by the addition of Joey and his team. Two of his team members are veterans. So that increases our veteran population here, which is important to me. The leadership brand, it's been a part of our culture. It is his go-to-market brand at Quattrofoil. His core values follow the acronym LEAD. We might talk about that. But it diversifies our company from both a capability and a market standpoint. Joey has done a ton of work in the private sector. We do a ton of work in the public sector. And if you put our portfolio of private sector work together, you will see a pretty impressive and diverse portfolio of not only some very cool clients, but some very challenging client engagements. And I think to me, what I want this merger to say to the marketplace is, I don't care how small we are, we are capable of taking on the hardest challenges your organization has and leading them and helping you lead them because most of our clients are the owners of these organizations that have capital programs. So what do I want to send back? Oh, I want Joey to give kind of a brief intro of his background, how he started Quattrofoil and some of the clients that he's done. So back to you. Thank you. And before I do that, I want to add one thing. So when you were saying we're both this, we're both that, we're both this, you know, one thing I want to add, it's one of the things I really admire about you is that I think we're both genuinely driven by the ghosts and the spirits of the honorable men and women who we've had the chance to work with in the military who are no longer here with us. And I know this past week, you buried your grandfather who was a veteran 
And I think, you know, we look at our past and the veterans before us, and, and especially those who, who we lost in combat or, or in the line of duty as sort of this driving force behind why do we do what we do? Why do we care about our employees? Why do we care about the mission of this? Why do we want to grow this? And it's really to do better in their honor and in their spirit. And I feel like you feel the same way. And I just want to take an opportunity to say that and also and to say sorry to you for your loss. And I hope your family's doing well. Thanks, brother. And then I'll kind of go back. And if you listen to the episode of, of the podcast that BJ had me on, you may have heard some of this before. But when my wife got pregnant with our oldest daughter, Gabriella, in 2008, we were living in California. I was still on active duty. And I was at that point, at that six-year mark in my career where I had extended my original Naval Academy requirement a little bit just to finish some orders. And then the, the Marine Corps was basically saying, like, what are you going to do next? Where are you going to go next? And as you know, that time period, 2003 to 2009, you know, was a very busy and difficult time for the military. And, you know, I think my wife sort of had this opinion that, look, we're having a kid now and raising a kid in that environment is not something that is really ideal. And we did a handshake deal where I said, okay, fine, I'm going to, but I'm going to take us home and I'm going to get out of active duty, but I get to stay in the reserves. And she agreed to that. And so, you know, since 2009, I've been still executing my military career as a reservist, but I went home during a very bad time. It was, you know, and anybody out there in the military right now that, that might listen to this, just think about the economy and think about your choices uh, when it's time to get out. Because I would say that, you know, even though we were driven sort of by a kid and a family decision, you know, 2008, 2009, not a great time to leave active duty and, and go out looking for a job in the civilian world, even if you're like me and you think first lieutenants and captains in the Marine Corps are God's gift to the world, you know? So it was very difficult. And I leaned on my Naval Academy network and also Colonel Mannion, who's Travis Mannion's father and the Travis Mannion Foundation. You know, I, I put my effort into service and just said, all right, I'm going to go help that. I'm going to help Tom with his campaign for Congress. I'm going to see what's going on with the Travis Mannion Foundation. And that led to an opportunity through the Naval Academy network at Worth & Company one of the biggest mechanical contractors in Pennsylvania. And so I became a project engineer. Big pay cut from being a Marine Corps captain. Difficult time for the family, trying to have our first kid, get a home, all that. But I really kind of recognized right away that, hey, this project management thing is not very different than the military. Construction in general is not very different than the military. The mission is to build something. You've got the officers that are kind of strategically leading it, doing the financing. You got the grunts out there that are out turning wrenches and doing things and the structure of it. You got senior enlist advisors who are like your master plumbers. And, you know, the structure of all that in the construction world sort of aligned with me and what I knew about, about my military career. So I took that, advanced to become a project manager at Worth & Company, and then took an opportunity to become an in-house owner's rep at Penn Medicine. And at Penn Medicine, I had a, a great opportunity to do two big projects there. One was the John Pryor Trauma Center, which is at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center, built in honor of a trauma surgeon that was an Army trauma surgeon and who was killed in Iraq. And that was a great project. And then I also did the 3737 Market, which is Penn Medicine's Orthopedic Institute. Two big projects. And after those projects were done, I started, you know, I did my MBA at Penn State, SMEAL. I did the executive program. I started feeling my oats like, hey, you know, I feel like there's a market for this out there independently. 
And CBRE gave me an opportunity to sort of test that theory. And I went into CBRE's project management group. And, you know, at CBRE, you are working for the big green machine, but everybody's sort of their own independent little company. And you got to kind of make some of your own work, do handle your own clients, build your own book of business. And I was pretty successful doing that at CBRE. I got a couple of big client projects, the ones that CBRE's brokers brought to me, I did pretty well on. And it really kind of validated to me that I thought I could do it alone. And I also really felt the need to integrate more of a project leadership versus project management culture into something that I thought that I could create. And so that's where Quattrofoil Consulting came from. I left CBRE and launched Quattrofoil Consulting. And, and our mantra was don't hire a project manager, hire a project leader. You know, that we would only, you know, that we wouldn't hire managers, we would hire a leader. And if you look at, you know, sort of the leadership books out there and you look at the difference between management and leadership, management is important. It's very important. There's a lot of things to manage. But at the tip of the spear, you really want a leader, someone who's out ahead of managing problems, out in front of that, looking forward at the future and, and leading the way culturally and also physically at the front of the fight. So at Quadrupola, we got a couple of great opportunities right out of the bat. We worked for Doylestown Hospital. We did their big ICU expansion. And as a young company, we went straight into the COVID epidemic. And our first ICU unit that was supposed to be cardiac ICU, we were able to transition in stride to being their COVID unit. And we allowed them to open a COVID unit while we were still building a second phase of, of intensive care beds. We did surgery expansions. We did a hybrid OR. We do some very complicated and complex projects in the healthcare industry. And I think my time at Penn Medicine with the Trauma Center and the Worth Peak Institute, that really kind of led me to life science and healthcare industry because it's very difficult to find good project management in those sectors in particular on the private side, I would say. Doylestown Hospital, great client. That also led into Wexford Science and Technology, the big campus at the old University City High School site in West Philadelphia. That was a 14-acre renovation, everything from, you know, demolishing an entire high school that was built during, you know, the 50s. And, and it was built like a bomb shelter, right? Taking that thing down, clearing that site, putting some new streets in, managing some grants that went along with it. And then once that site was prepared for buildings, helping the city of Philadelphia put up a new K-8 through school, helping Wexford put up two large life science buildings, one at 3675 Market and one at 1U City, which just had its grand opening last September. So long five-year campus redevelopment projects where we really served as the tip of the spear for those clients, Doylestown and Wexford. And then a lot of other clients started, you know, we started finding our way into some other sectors, specifically hospitality, sports industry, the Union League, gave us an opportunity to help them with a small garage project down on uh, Sanson Avenue downtown. We helped them fix up that garage and give it some new life. And that resulted in us sort of finding new opportunities with them. And since then, we've built the Marquee Restaurant up at Liberty Hill. We've built the new rooftop restaurant in downtown Philadelphia. Another really, both restaurants, really top, you know, high-class restaurants, really best in show Anybody that gets a chance to go to them, I think you'll really enjoy them. And then that also led to other opportunities in that sort of market. Um, Philadelphia Country Club, Gulf Mills Country Club, looking at some other clients in there as well. And then one day, you know, one of the coolest things that happens in this, in the private side is that your name gets out there and people get to know you. And I remember one day I get an email from the president of the 76ers saying, hey, we heard 
you guys are good project managers and we need some help down at Wells Fargo with our new locker room and our, our owner's lounge and some things we're doing. Are you interested? And that might've been the fastest email to phone call I've ever made in my life. You know, I picked up the phone right away. I didn't get an answer, but I left a voicemail saying, hey, you don't often get an email from the president of a team that you grew up loving, you know, since you were a little kid. So I called you right away, get back to me and we'd love to find a way to help you. And and we're still working for the Sixers. Really hopeful that, you know, there's bigger projects in the future for the Sixers that we get to help them with. But when I launched Quattrofold Consulting, I always sort of envisioned that I would find a way to use the service-disabled, veteran-owned, small business status to obtain contracts on the public side. But that process of obtaining the certification and then getting projects, you know, a lot of people don't realize how difficult that is. For MBEs, for WBEs, for DBEs, for veteran-owned and for service-disabled, veteran-owned, you know, it's not just a check in the box and then you become that and then and then you get to go out and just the contracts just start falling in your lap. It's a very difficult process that you have to maintain. And as a small business owner, doing that process while managing projects, while managing a team and trying to grow the book of business was difficult. And, you know, frankly, we opened the company, I started the company in 2018, and it wasn't until the end of 2022 that I finally got that SDVOSB certificate. So we really never built a book of public business. And our private business was pretty good. So we kind of, you know, I knew that we needed to do it, but it just wasn't a priority because we had enough private business to keep ourselves going. In 23, we really started saying, okay, economy might be downturning. Things might be going south on the private side a little bit, and we should be balanced out on the public side. So we started diving into the public side. We won two contracts, you know, right out of the gate on the public side. And that was good. And it felt like, hey, there's a pipeline here. But it was, you know, it was an interesting challenge to sort of decide where our priority was going to be, especially with having some really long-term and good private clients. And so one of the things I love about this merger is the fact that we're bringing together someone who has a very robust public side and a lot of SDVOSB contracting going on already at MCFA and us who have, you know, a private clientele who, you know, they have their own ups and downs, but it sort of balances out with the public side as things go. So I think together, one of the big benefits that we have here is that we have a more balanced company with the ability to operate on both the public and the private side during any given economic term, right? So there's a lot of synergy there that can go a long way in helping us with that kind of balance. But that's the Quattrofoil story from start till we are here right now with this merger and really excited about you know where this goes. And I think bringing the teams together, folks that worked on the private side and folks that worked on the public side, they can learn a lot about what the different challenges and the different processes are across the board. Yeah. Um, I want to jump in and hit... First, let me do a shout out to Jesse Gemberling Johnson. So Jesse joined us in September of 2022. And... The first person he said he wanted to introduce me to is Joey Fay. And I said, I know Joey Fay. We met like five years ago at a Colin Flynn happy hour for veterans in the Philly area. So shout out to Jesse for bringing us back together because that was the initial reintroduction, probably October last year. We whiteboarded and we did start out as kind of a like, let's just see where we might be able to get business. I want to use this to educate anybody on a few things. If you're a small business owner contemplating being acquired or contemplating going and acquiring somebody, the warnings are all over the place that 
it's not easy, one, from a process standpoint, from a cultural match, from a synergy, from a, all of the MBA terms of why you might want to do one and all of the reasons why you might not want to do it. There's a lot of horror stories out there. So to Joey's point, we kind of wanted to date each other for a little while before we went all in. And I think we wanted to both kind of observe and, you know, our wives got to know each other. He got to know some of our team members. And, and if my I, daughters, and if my daughters ever listen to that, remember that point. Date for a while. <laughs> Until you're 30. So, but the, the flip side of that is when you're dating, sometimes you don't put as much intentionality into the relationship as you need to, to make it a success. So, hey, we're operating two different companies and really to start figuring out how do you work together, you got to work together. We did a couple of business development calls together. We did a little bit of, of kicking tires on leads. I think we referred each other a thing or two. And I think what we both realized was we got to be going to market together to make this successful. And if we're going to go to market together, we might as well go to market together as one company. And hey, what do you think about merging? And that's how the attraction process went. And I think in that dating period, we validated all the stuff we started with, which was on paper, it looks like it could work. And in the heart of both of us as leaders, we think it's a blend. Same mission, same mindset, same core values, same intentions. What I had that Joey didn't have was a platform already. Michael Furman started the company. Michael was Joey. And when I came to MCFA, Michael, although we were bigger than Quattrofoil, Michael still had what Joey had, which was juggling, winning work, executing work, managing clients, managing people, hiring, you know, all of the things that go on with keeping a business solvent that he couldn't really look out much further than, you know, on most days, what was on his plate that day, on his best days, maybe what was on his plate next week. I had the opportunity when I came to MCFA really to be focused on future business development, future strategy. And despite some shrinking of the company, that didn't change. And I experienced what Joey experienced and what Michael experienced because we had shrunk as a company when I won our biggest project at the time that I had brought in an energy savings performance contract out in Chicago. Shout out to Steve Weber who helped us bring that in if he's listening. But that project all of a sudden took me from 100% focused on future to 80% focused on day-to-day and then 20% focused on future. And as soon as you start focusing on day-to-day, it just takes over your world because projects don't happen and problems don't happen in a pace that they can just be calendared in the future. Stuff has to be fixed today. Stuff has to be fixed tomorrow and usually first thing tomorrow, if not yesterday. So I think why this makes a lot of sense was we have a little bit of that infrastructure, a little bit of that back office capacity to allow Joey to start executing the leadership of the business unit and looking at the future, looking at the development of the relationships, focused on being an account executive and slowly removing himself from all of the day-to-day problems. He'll still have his key clients that he's working for, but that increases his capacity immediately. 
Inspiring People and Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people and places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Then from my perspective, these are some cool projects that he's getting to work on. We're doing a lot of public work. We need to diversify into the private sector. And somebody might say, why the hell would you diversify into the private sector when the private sector is going through the toughest capital markets we've seen in, I don't know, 15, 20 years? Well, because you can't all of a sudden be prepared to do private sector work. You can't all of a sudden say, I want to go win work. Just like winning public sector work takes a little while. Private sector work takes a little while. You got to understand it. You got to learn it. You got to build a reputation. And behind the scenes over here, we've been doing some private work that we don't talk about much for the greater part of the last two years. So like I said, when you put our two portfolios together, you've got a pretty robust set of owners rep on diverse hospitality, entertainment, healthcare, life sciences work. His private sector life science and healthcare work blends very well with our public sector DOD lab work and our VA healthcare work. He has owner's rep in the vertical construction. We have more owner's rep and CM, CEI work in the horizontal construction. So for all of these reasons, we're bringing two kind of skill sets and capacities together that are really complementary, not very competitive. And I get to, when I hire an employee, I get one person. When I merge a company in, I get his entire team. And part of our core values is a scrappiness that we want because we don't want to be corporate and we want our team to be entrepreneurial. Well, when you hire a company that's scrappy and entrepreneurial and you get their talent, now we just got employees that are of the same mindset, not corporate. So despite it being what might be an MBA corporate strategy of M&A, it's really just a talent solution to continuing to grow our company. So that was the attraction. I don't know that we want to go into the process, but Joey opened up with kind of a thank you or a talking point around, there was some times where it was like, maybe this isn't a win-win. Like, hey, it's hard and we've got to make this a win-win. And if we can't get it to a win-win, it's okay to do pencils down and revisit later. But we kept coming back to the table because I think we both saw in this a future win-win scenario that Together, our organizations are stronger, and together, we individually are stronger leaders at the table. And when you talk a little bit about, you know, mergers and acquisitions and what it's like, you know, from your perspective, and I would just say for anybody that's a small company, you know, BJ's dead on, you know, the platform and scalability that he already has here at MCFA is something that the little guys are jealous of, right? So we sit back and we're like, hey, I'm, I'm doing my own payroll, I'm taking care of my own insurance payments, I'm... I'm also managing those one or two key clients that are there. And in a way, you know, we kind of get stuck at that three to five employee, you know, spot in the small business world where, where you're sort of handcuffing yourself, unless you take on some sort of investment from someone, you give a little bit up of your company to take that next leap. And so then you start thinking to yourself, how do I make that leap, you know, without, giving away the boat or giving away the goat, right? And so the question becomes like, where do you see yourself fitting in? And I, you know, I give a lot of credit to BJ for having a company this size that still has 
the cultural things that I align with, right? The likability, you know, the L factor and, and shout out to Jim Carter at CBRE. He made all of us, all the project managers at CBRE read the L factor book and, you know, kind of really opened my mind to this idea that to quote Tim Kelly, you know, all things equal, you're going to want to work with someone you like all things not equal. You're going to still want to work with someone you like. Right. So, so I think, you know, when I think about just BJ and I as people and the folks that I've met here at MCFA during our dating, you know, it's like, I like everybody. It's likable. People are likable and they understand, they recognize the value in that. I mean, hopefully everybody at this point has read Carnegie's book about how to make friends and influence people. But, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, most of your business success is going to be based on your personality and whether you're likable, whether people want to work with you. And as a small business, considering a move like this to kind of go under the umbrella of another company to give up a little bit of your brand, a little bit of the thing that you created. And I wrestled with this. I wrestled with like, oh, it's my baby. You know, it's something for my kids. It's something that I've created. Well, to make something better and bigger happen, I'm going to consider this, but it's only going to be with someone who I like, someone who has a culture that aligns with me, someone whose organization is moving in the right direction. And all those things aligned. And that's why I was happy that you looked at us as a benefit to you. But I also look at you and say, hey, I wouldn't be saying yes to someone else who didn't align. This wouldn't have happened if it was someone who didn't have those same kind of cultural values that you guys maintain here at MCFA. And so my reaction to that is part of bringing leaders in like you is to help us maintain that as we continue to grow. You know, I've talked about going from platoon leader to company commander, company commander to battalion commander. How do you maintain the esprit de corps of that when none of it exists, right? Because you're building it as it goes. And I think that's the hardest. I think we learn a lot about leadership in the military. The structure is all already there and the expectations are already there for hey, when you become a platoon leader, these are your responsibilities and you've got a, a senior NCO kind of advising you. But as you're growing a business, there's not some stepstone path above you. It's really creating it as you go below you and around you and being able to bring like-minded people who have kind of the same spirit and the same cultural fit allows us to, I don't want to say control, I actually want to say empower that same spirit as we continue to grow. So there's probably parts of it that we're trying to control, but really the growth model is empowering other leaders. And how do you empower them? It's by how you teach them and mentor them. It's how you talk to them. It's how you set expectations with them. It's about how you recruit and filter for the right talent. So I'm excited. So I want to talk about the immediate future and then the future future. Future future is wild growth. The immediate future is what we're going through right now over the, you know, we're really giving ourselves this quarter to focus on integration. In some ways, integration, you know, never stops because we're constantly evolving as a company. But the immediate steps, just so people, you know, people may have questions out there about how are you even thinking about this? And one of the things I said to Joey last week, and we actually haven't even circled back on, again, I was out of the office, is... My leadership style is to empower and promote autonomy, but my culture, Spidey sense, is to integrate very closely because 
and almost micromanage portions of this, not because I'm micromanaging people, but micromanaging the process. Because every introduction that Joey and his team meets with MCFA team members, there's content to what that person does. There's context to what and how that person does. And we're building this plane while we're flying it. So there's a little bit of, hey, here's the new guys coming in and here's our existing team and setting that table right so that it doesn't take three months or three years for people to get along or anybody has to step on eggshells because of any kind of politics. It's like you wipe those politics out right away. You set the stage for synergy. You set the stage for each other's roles and what somebody currently does at MCFA, how that's going to impact or support Joey's team, what Joey and his team do and how that's going to continue to support because change management happens at the individual relationship level. It's not MCFA and Quattrofoil are merging. It's Quattrofoil's team members are becoming MCFA team members. And to do that, they've got to work with current MCFA team members. And, oh, when did this person join the firm? Where did they come from? How did that all happen? And I think, could everybody have a single lunch with each other and get to know each other? Probably not. But can you have the right, very intentional introductory meetings as you blend processes and procedures and clients and client names? And how do all of Quattrofoil's clients end up on the MCFA marketing list and all of the nitty gritty stuff that just requires a lot of intentionality and a little bit of additional thought to get it right. Because if you don't get it right out of the gates, you're going to spend three years trying to fix it or regretting it as opposed to get it right out of the gates so that we can all run. And I'm pumped because we see this kind of entrepreneurial M&A, aqua hire, as a growth strategy, as we continue to evolve and grow as a company. So getting it right also allows us to have a little bit of experience and expertise in integration and change management. So Joey, talk to me about whatever's on your mind so that we can hit that for everybody. Yeah. So I think there's probably three things that I would say about that and about this process we're entering into. The first thing would be for my current clients and my current network, anybody who might watch this. Nothing's going to change for you. If anything, it's going to get better, right? The resources and the support that MCFA is going to put behind me, I'm still going to take care of you. I'm going to, you know, you're probably going to get to know and get to meet people from MCFA. We might even add some assets and resources to whatever we're doing for you or what we were doing for you as Quattrofoil. So, but at the end of the day, the commitment I made to you as Joey Fay, regardless of where I work and what umbrella I'm under, is still there and I'm still going to take care of you. And you should look to this as something exciting and something that may bring you more value at the end of the day. The second thing would be to MCFA clients that I'm going to get to know. That would be, hey, I'm going to be new here for a little bit, but it shouldn't take me long. I've got a lot of experiences in this world and in this industry. Things on one side of the street aren't that different than things on the other. It's really kind of a lot of paperwork and what the differences are and and how the the processes work, you know, through a system. But at the end of the day, the principles of project leadership remain the same. And so I look forward to meeting you. I look forward to working with you. And I think you're going to find that I'm going to help make things even better for you as well. And so will the guys that I'm bringing along, you know, the project leaders that I'm bringing along. And then the last thing, which is probably the closest alligator to the boat. And, you know, the thing that I worry about the most 
to be frank, is any good leader knows that there's a difference between positional respect and earned respect, right? Especially guys like BJ and I who have come out of the Naval Academy or West Point or, you know, any man or woman that comes out of the Air Force Academy, you know, you immediately go to a platoon or to a small unit where you might have anywhere from six to 30 enlisted personnel working for you. And a couple of them are going to be senior, you know, gunnery sergeants, E9s, E7s, E8s, who have a lot of experience. And you're going to be put in a position to say, hey, I am now in charge of this. Whether you guys like it or not, I'm in charge of this. And you can approach that in one of two ways. You can say, look at my brass. I'm now the boss. Deal with it. Or you can earn their respect by being a good leader and doing the right things. And so that's not something new to me. I've been through it several times at, at different units, both in, in the military career and in my civilian career. But here it's something different because I'm, I'm basically joining a family. So I want to earn that respect from the employees that work here and the folks that have been here for 20 years since the beginning of this organization's existence. I want to earn that respect, that personal respect, but I also want them to know that I'm going to be part of this family with them and, and take care of them. So I agree with you, you know, how we do that and how that happens. You know, I think a lot of it is just being a good person and, and doing the right thing along the way, but you do probably need to be intentional about it in the sense that, Hey, who have I not met yet? Who have I not sat with? How are we going to make that introduction? This company is not going to stop operating so that we can take, you know, three weeks to just, you know, go to Southern California and stay in a hotel and meet everybody and get to know each other or something like that. You know, you know, maybe there is some kind of strategic getaway or something that you do for, you know, a day or two where you do some kind of leadership retreat or something. That might be something important. We probably need to talk about these things. But at the end of the day, it has to be intentional. You have to think and put a list and say, how are we going to do this? And how am I going to have all these folks that have been here so long get to know me? And, and the reverse of that is that hopefully there's folks thinking, hey, there's someone new coming. Looks like he has a good resume. Looks like he's got a good background. I would like them to respect me as well. And I'm going to do my best to put my best foot forward and, and show you know my capabilities and, and the kind of person that I am. So you're right. You know, my clients, your clients, and then this combination of employees. To me, that's the trident of objectives here as we work through this transition. Trident. He's trying to work his Navy language into our culture already. <laughs> yeah, you um, <laughs> I think I'm going to close this out. One is leadership capacity is the hardest thing inside of a professional services firm because we're paid by clients to lead their projects. So you become a lot more outward facing, responsive to client needs, responsive to project issues, and carving out the leadership time internal is the hardest part, especially in a smaller company. It's why, you know, when you're a leader, you're responsible for growth, you're responsible for taking care of people. I think it's it's why growing a small business is so hard. But I know this is also why in some ways, corporations in our industry and in the professional services industry in general may lack leadership cultures because it's really hard to prioritize the investment. And by investment, I mean the trade-off of time that's billable to clients or to projects with time that is investing in the development of the people around you and <clears throat> intentional development of the culture. So I'd like to, one, encourage everybody to reflect on how they're looking at developing leadership capacity and being intentional, because I really do think that this entire merger is built on the philosophy that 
leadership is the difference in great organizations and in great projects. So you can't talk leadership without investing in leadership. So that's me being accountable to Joey that we're focused on that, Joey being accountable to me that that's what we're focused on. But it's also us saying to the industry, think about it, reflect on it, and step up in any way that you can inside of your organization because our industry is better if we're all thinking about leadership. And then there's a couple of calls to action I would throw out there. One, if you're a client of Quatrefoil that has any questions, by all means, I'm available. Joey and I can get on a call. If you have any questions about the merger, about us, about how our combined capacities and capabilities can better serve you, let this be kind of a verbal call to action for you that, that we're available to do that. To partners, same thing. You know, If you heard something today that you're like, oh, wow, that healthcare background or that life science background or whatever you, or that sports and entertainment background, hospitality. I don't think we talked about some of the golf courses and the hotels, but there's a lot here and we'll probably continue to talk about that in a different platforms. But if that rings a bell to you or strikes a chord, by all means, get in touch with us. If you're a small business thinking about M&A, if, if either of us can be a value to you as you think about it for your own path, or if some part of our platform seems attractive and appealing and you feel like, hey, maybe I could be more successful as part of that platform, again, get to know us. And then last is if you're somebody thinking about a career change and we seem to be a culture that you want to be a part of, we're always talking about hiring and recruiting and talent is the hardest thing to find. And getting that talent at the right place at the right time as you're a growing company is actually the absolute hardest thing because client projects don't happen on any timeline that I've ever seen that is predictable. And I think recruiting goes the same way. So even if you're just kicking tires, come talk to our organization because we got to get to know you. And just like we were dating with Joey for a year, you may want to date us from the outside, get to know some of our team before you make that choice. And we'd rather you know us now, and maybe we hire you a year from now, 18 months from now, three years from now, who knows when you're ready, but take this as a call to action and get to know us. Joey, any closing out thoughts? Yeah. So all I would say is if, if you're in my network or you follow me on LinkedIn or any of that kind of thing, you probably saw my note at the beginning of the year about optimism and how powerful it is to be optimistic. And, you know, this situation, even though we hadn't sealed the deal, was probably on my mind when I wrote that. So I would just say this, be excited. This is exciting. I'm excited. I think we are going to become a really powerful company. We're going to disrupt this market even more so than MCFA already has. I want you guys to be there with us. So any clients out there, the folks that work for MCFA, anybody that is interested in getting recruited, this is going to be an exciting time for this outfit. And I want you to be a part of it. I was talking to someone the other day and I said, guys, this is like Batman and Superman coming together. And they said, well, which one are you? I said, well, BJ is already a black knight. So I guess that makes me Superman. And I was like, let's go. So <laughs> I'm excited. And I think you all should be too. And I guess that's my final word. Awesome. Check out, we'll be putting more stuff on LinkedIn. Please pass this along to anybody that you think might be the right audience. Oh, we started with this, the blending of Army and Navy and kind of the heart of the veteran and, and service. And, and Joey certainly touched on being genuinely driven by the folks that we've lost along the way. You've heard me say, may we live our lives worthy of their sacrifice. 
one of the ways that we get to do that is by investing in veteran transition. So if you know a veteran, Joey and I both found similarities to the military in the construction industry from kind of a hierarchy of stepping stone and command from, you know, like he talked about from kind of field work up to project executive. You see that from seeing a mission actually come to life in whether a problem solved or a project built that goes from a piece of paper and a plan to a rooftop restaurant in inner city Philadelphia, like Joey's latest project at the Union League. There's so much fulfillment that comes from being a part of the construction industry. And I think what we get is the culture that a veteran may be looking for, a culture not just of transactional behavior, but of service to our clients' projects, to our clients' needs, and to each other as teammates. So that's our last call to action. I agree. I'm enthusiastic for this merger and look forward to where we go. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Joey, thanks for joining. And until next time, get back to building. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.